Welcome back to another episode of Abundant Life Podcast. I'm Jay Danell, and as always, I'm here with my boy Leo Lopez. Welcome back, lifers. Boy, do we have a great show for you today. We hope you're ready. Let's go. Welcome back, lifers. Welcome back to another episode of Abundant Life Podcast. Leo and I are here, Jay Danell. Leo Lopez, welcome back. Man, we have a wonderful treat today, but I'm going to go ahead and let my man Jesse tell you about a couple things here first. Yeah, so we've been getting a lot of requests. Uh, we appreciate it. You know, keep the emails coming in. Again, allministries2, that's the number two, at gmail.com, allministries2 at gmail.com. Uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback uh, and a lot of um, uh, information to us, that, and people want to hear about our story. They want to hear more about us. They're like, hey, give us more details and, and content about who you are, your yeah, background. I, I was actually shocked at how many people wanted to know more about our story, right? Our yeah. background, where we came from, the struggles, um, and again, where we grew up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, what what background? I mean, because people now know us as of now, right? The people that do know us. So they haven't seen the things that we've went through yeah. in the past. And some stuff wasn't easy. You know, we all have a story, yeah. which is awesome, right? Because we all have a story. We can all relate. Some we can't. Um, but this is going to be awesome. So because you have reached out and you have asked and requested this, we decided to give you a double bubble. So this week you're going to get two podcasts. That's right. Not one, but two podcasts. You're going to get one podcast <clears throat> with me, uh, which would be this one, this episode here, and give you some content, some information about me, who I am, how Abundant Life came about. Um, and um, then the second podcast will be Leo and same information, you know, who he is, where he's from, and how Abundant Life came about, and how we got together, right, and how we end up here today. So we got a lot of good information for you today. We're going to get started, but we always, again, we always want to make sure we thank you for listening. So all lifers, thank you again. Uh, subscribe, uh, pass it on to your friends, family, let people know uh, to listen to Abundant Life Podcast by all ministries. They can follow. That is huge for us. We've been seeing a lot of people follow, so we appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. We uh do appreciate that and blessings to you. Something interesting too. A lot of people don't know this, but um, when Jesse first met me, he actually did not like me for no. quite some time. No, I didn't even know. I was clueless. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a it's a lot of information. We're gonna get we're gonna dive right into it because we want to make sure we're giving you what you want, uh, and then also we're giving you what you need, right, for abundant life. So again, all ministries to at gmail Keep those emails coming in. Letting us know. What you want to hear, if you have questions, requests, whatever the case may be, we appreciate it. Like, follow, give us five-star rating. Uh, you can listen to us now on iTunes, uh, not only just Spotify, but iTunes now. We are uh, we're available, so we appreciate it. But we're going to dive right in today. So, um, again, this podcast is going to be about me, uh, my background. So, again, my real name is Jesse, right? But Jay Danell is what I go by right now. And for those who are asking, yes, Danell is my middle name, right? So, Jay Danell. I've had people say, well, what's your real Jay Danell, okay? Uh, is Danell's my middle name, but, um, so for me, you know, here I am, I'm a, I'm currently a 42 year old man. Right. But, uh, I was born and raised, um, in the inner city of Chicago. Right. So on the West side of Chicago, Austin area, I'll put it that way. Uh, is where I was born and raised family of seven. Uh, so seven of us, I had six siblings. That's okay. That's a big family. Yep. Six siblings. And then my mother and father were in the home. Uh, my grandmother also stayed with us, but so, you know, I was raised with both parents in my household which is a blessing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is, um, I had a lot of friends who didn't have that. I didn't realize how much of a blessing it was then, but it was. So, um, raised with both my parents growing up really wasn't easy. So growing up, I mean, obviously when you're growing up in the inner city, um, it's tough. Like it's, it's, it's a challenge. You don't, and what's crazy is you don't realize how much of a challenge it is until you get older and you look back, right? Yes. When you look back and connect those dots, you're like, man, how did I get through that? Yeah, it's like, what, what the heck? Like, in the beginning, so when you're living it, you're like, it's just life. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like, it's just life. This is how life is. So what you experience is... It's the norm. It's the norm. And then when you get out of that life, you start realizing, like, man, like, okay, that was the norm, but that was crazy. So um, so born and raised, west side of Chicago, Austin area. I, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. You said seven siblings. How, how was that in a household? Crazy. Well, yeah, it was crazy. Never a dull moment. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Never a dull moment. You know, I have four sisters and two brothers. Uh, I am the well, exact. Where do you fall? Zach Middle. Oh, in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I have two, uh, three above me and three under me. So I have uh, an older brother and two older sisters above me, and I have a younger brother and two younger sisters mm-hmm. below me. 
Interesting. So you know what that means. When you're the middle child, you're always the one that's getting done wrong, right? So you hear that, mom, dad, I was the one getting done wrong. I'm the exact middle, right? So anyway, but I was, uh, so my dad was the sole breadwinner. You know, my mom didn't really work. Um, and obviously, rightfully so, you have seven kids. It's tough to actually go out and work. So she took care of the household, you know, traditional, usually, you know, with the family. And my dad went out and worked. Uh, my dad was, he worked as a law enforcement officer for years and years and years. Um, How was that for you? Was it like really strict work, you know, living with a bro who was in law enforcement? <laughs> so my parents were, they were strict. Uh, they were strict. They were strict, but they were strict for a good reason. Like we had a really good household. Okay. Mm-hmm. But my, there was a lot of things we couldn't do because for a long, you know, my father was in law enforcement is, and, is, and if you have a father that's in law enforcement, you can't do much. Right. And then on the flip side, you know, my father also went, into the ministry as a pastor. So as pastors, kids, you can't do anything. So we couldn't do anything. Well, yeah, like the double whammy, as yeah. people would say, right? Yeah, it was. It was it, it was tough. Uh and it was um it was a challenge. You know, it was a lot of things that that we couldn't do uh growing up and it was a lot of things that was just taboo. But what and, what, what did that look like? I mean cut you off, but what did that look like? Um what were some of the things that other kids were doing that that you couldn't do? <laughs> so I mean, right, so we, there was we couldn't listen to secular music, right? He was a pastor, and my mom, so no secular music. Um, we could not, um, you know, as far as dating is like, hey, you know, was the person you like? You know, they are they in church? You know, were they, you know, Christ followers? Mm. Right? Uh, it was, you know, my parent. Now my parents had no nonsense. There was no nonsense. You weren't going to be like the the stuff you see in the streets now. They weren't going, which. I, I appreciate it. Like they wasn't going, I wasn't me coming in. We had to come in with street lights on. We had limitations. I mean, with the, neighborhood, lights, yes. with the neighborhood we grew up in, we couldn't go out, you know, too far. Like a lot of my friends sometimes can go off the block and stuff growing up. And we couldn't even riding our bike. We had restrictions on where we can go uh, because of the dangers in the, in the neighborhood. Yes. So um, I'm sure that'd be tough though. Cause all your friends are, you know, just out and about going wherever they like. And you're kind of limited, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, but and this is what's really good. Like, I, I think you guys will appreciate the information that's going to be given today, you know, about my story. So I want to make sure. This is my story. Yeah, I'm from that shot town dirt. Right. So I am from that shot town dirt. West side. I got to represent it's West side. Town, right. So uh, and I, I will say. Can't stand the south side. So I apologize. In oh, advance, but oh, West side. Okay. All right. <laughs> West side. Best side. Got a lot of family south. Yeah. But. But yeah, so again, growing up, so my parents were, you know, pretty strict. Um, and then it got to a point where as, you know, they had their rules and, and like, you know, like a teen, right? You mm-hmm. get to the point where you start challenging and bucking a little bit, whatever the case would be. What, what age would you say that happened? Uh, for me, so for me, it was about, I started, I would say about 14. So what happened was, you know, as my parents started getting further in ministry, my father retired early. We never had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It was it was a struggle a lot of times, obviously, with seven kids. Seven kids, one income? One income. One income. Just my dad lived in a three-bedroom house. Um, and it was, when I say a struggle, I mean, none of us went to, I mean, from a college standpoint, my older brother was the only one who went out to college, and he had a scholarship, right? Wow. So, well, here's some, something you just said. Three bedrooms, seven kids, and your parents. Right. And think about in today's age, if a kid can't have their own room, they're putting up a fit. Yeah. Their own room. Oh, times have changed. How times, yes, how times have changed. It's about, but you know, it's about, you make do with what you have, you know, and, you know, growing up again. So, you know, pops was the sole provider. My mom, the only time I would see mom work is if, let's say it was maybe around Christmas and then she would try to get a part-time job or something to help out to make sure we had toys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can, I mean, she had a huge job. I mean, seven kids to look after. Yeah. Yeah. And, Mom didn't play. Like, mom was, she was a volunteer at the school. She would come up to the school. She was always volunteering so people knew who she was. They knew who my parents were on the block. You know, we were that family, whereas they knew the bushes. Uh-huh. They knew who we were. Um, and she, then, yeah, mean, she so, can also keep tabs on, like, hey, what's going on in the schools? How are you kids oh, doing? You know, that's- she was, I mean, they knew Mrs. Bush. You knew my mom <laughs> coming down the hall because she had a big old key. And um, she had a, a keychain that you would hear. But she was uh, magnificent in her, in her role and her job. And then at some point they took us out of the public school. So it got to a point where my parents started doing ministry a little bit more and they started feeling some type of way about the public school. 
I had a sister that was getting into some issues in high school, gang activity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started really getting bad in the area. Uh, and then it got to a point where my parents were like, hey, you know, we were thinking about just homeschool. And that started a shift in my life because I think I left the public school system about, I want to say, sixth grade. And then from there, we were put into a homeschool. How was that adjustment? Like making that adjustment from, you know, seeing friends all the time, going to school, getting out of the house to now you're at home all the time. Tough. It was tough because now you, the social life was just eliminated. And in sixth grade, you're having to make that adjustment from a learning curve. Don't forget, today is different. Today you can go on YouTube and go online. You can get the information you need for your schooling. Back then, there was no World Wide Web, right? There was no YouTube. There was no, I can go online and learn this course. It was a mailing process. So we got our books from the school, uh, Christian Liberty Academy. They would send the books to us by UPS. We would get the homework and et cetera. And then you had to mail the information back to the school. It was a mailing process. Oh, so I never been homeschooled. So now it was there like in your house, like I'm assuming there's some structure where, okay, from this time to this time you're doing. Yeah. So it was, you know, you were, it was, Hey, get up in the morning, you know, like the normal routine, eat breakfast, et cetera. But now you go sit at the homemade desk and you start schoolwork. The problem came in. The problem that we had was it's tough because without the assistance and the help. And today most parents don't even know the curriculum that the kids are taking. Like when my kids are bringing homework home today, Mm -hmm. it was hard for my wife and I to help them because it's just different. Right. So you look at it. Okay. And so, Back then, the same thing, some of the curriculum, like, okay, my parents, but it was tough for them to really, to be able to, my father was always, again, in the ministry, gone, my father's gone a lot, he was traveling for the ministry, Philippines, Samoa, Africa, he was doing those things, sometimes mom would go with them, and at that point, too, we having to teach ourselves, mm. so, you, and you having to be disciplined, the problem was not being disciplined, but it's tough to be disciplined at six, I mean, it's in sixth, sixth grade. grade, but the idea behind it, I understand. It was just a tougher time then than now. Today you can go to homeschool. Most kids were homeschooled during the pandemic. Yeah. So. Yep. With that being said, do you think, do you believe that by being homeschooled, you might have got out of some trouble? Or Possibly. the wrong people? Yeah. I mean, you look back 20, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So you look back and now you're like, well, you know, God, there were certain roads in life, roads in life that got me down that may have prevented me from some, you know, some heartache issues in life. But, you know, at the time you just, you're in that time, right? And at the time I was suffering from not having the relationships with friends and social life that I felt like I needed. Okay. Um, but it was what it was. And that was the decision my parents decided to make. And so, you know, uh, most of us, cause all of us went, but most of us were homeschooled and I was homeschooled at sixth grade. And from there, um, you know, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a breeze. I had some difficulties, but we got through it. Right. And then, so moving on, I started getting into what I would call the rebellious stage technically around 14. Now understand too, you know, this point, my father's a full blown pastor. He's retired from law enforcement. And, um, you know, there was like most young men, you know, when you get to that age, you start to buck your chest a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember one incident where I got loud with my mom and I was at the age where, you know, discipline doesn't hurt anymore. Because my parents were disciplinaries. They would discipline you. I mean, we come from the old school again yes, where it's yes. like mom's grabbing a switch, a belt, a shoe, whatever Anything. she can find to throw at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Um, and for the most I mean, look, I have a good family. We were all respectful and stuff like that. But I got to a point one day I rebelled and uh, she had said something to me or whatever. And I guess I bucked my chest up or got hard. And she she came over to discipline me. i never forget. And he was like, you know, kind of like hitting me and it didn't phase me. Mm. You know, Was it in the house or outside? Yeah, it's in the house. In the house? Not okay. in the house. And it didn't phase me. You know, and she can tell. And I probably made it, um, I probably made it my mission to let her know with my bodily reactions that it wasn't affecting me. Mm, yeah, you're like, hey, I'm grown now. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't, I was 14, I know, but, but I was. In your mindset, you're yes. thinking like, oh, yeah, hey, of course. I'm a teenager now. I know what I'm doing. And she um, made it her purpose to let my father. So my father would get off work or come home late a lot. But um, this particular night, um, I could tell she was like, okay. All right. And so the next day, you know, next day I come down and my father grabs me and throws me against. I'm like, and I'm willing to say good morning. This has to be like maybe nine in the morning. I'm like, hey, possible. And he throws me against the front door. Now, our front door is a metal door. He throws me against the front door. And I'm. Has he done that before? Or this is like the first no, time? I've never, like, never, never that. Okay. Never that. My, my father was more laid back a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he only got involved again old school he only got involved when he needed to yeah i think this is he has in the message like yeah oh it's perfect yeah. i mean mm-hmm. my father would never get involved typically unless it was like you know mom was like hey i, I need to tag you in yeah and, and that's the reason i asked because i was like it doesn't sound like that's something that was the norm but it was yeah. more like hey this had to be done for him yeah and at the mm-hmm. time i had no idea i'm like i'm getting slammed through the wall and my mind is like what the heck yeah and uh he told me, he's like, hey, you see that my mom was sitting on the couch. And I remember he said, you see that woman over there? And I'm like, yeah. He was like, that's my wife. He was like, and if you disrespect my wife, you disrespect me. And it was at that time I realized, like, oh, I'm thinking, oh, you told on me, right? So, yeah, yes. um, but that was like, the, I think the beginning of the end for me, because what happened was, so, you know, there was some, again, growing up in a Christian household, there were some things that I didn't want to, just being honest, I didn't want to live by. Okay, and I was a typical teen, wanted to do my thing, and I didn't feel like I wanted to live by the rules or whatever the case may be. And it got to a point where it started to get, my father would tell me, it's, it's my way of the highway, my way of the highway. You know, it's my way of the highway. And one night, um, it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to choose the highway. So here it is, I'm about 17, and um, I forget what occurred that night, but we got into it, and I'm like, I'm out. He gave me the ultimatum. And for me, in my mind, it was like, it was the ultimatum one too many. And the spirit that I had at that time, and I'm not glorifying it, but the spirit I had at that time was more a lot of anger and bitterness being built into me. And not, you know, like a lot of teens, I didn't feel like I was understood. I felt like it was, I felt like there was a lack of communication between myself and my parents. And for me, I was starting to rebel and it got to that point. I'm like, and I'm not an ultimatum guy. I'm really not. It's, it's always been like, you once you give me an ultimatum, I'm like, okay. So then I got to choose the out. Like, I don't like, I feel like I'm being held hostage or something like you take. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was. So he gave me the ultimatum and uh, I chose the out. You know, my mom, my mom didn't like it. Obviously it was an emotional night, but I left home and I was scared and nervous. I'm 17 and I'm in the inner city. Um, so what and, did you take? Did you take like a backpack or what? You know? Yeah, man, I didn't take. You know, it was like a, a small. It's crazy because I don't. I didn't like pack up. Like you know, it was a lot of stuff was theirs, right? When you move out, you don't take anything. That's their bed. That's their dresser. That's yes. there, right? I just took out a few belongings and I'm out. And I think they probably thought he'll be back. You know, like he's going just for a little bit. And let me take you back. So you know, growing up in the area that I grew up in, and when I as a kid, it wasn't really always bad. Mm. It became bad, like. When they tore down Cabrini Green, a lot of people don't remember Cabrini Green. Oh, uh, some of you right. do. Yeah, yeah. Then you started having a lot because I, I mean, I've been to Cabrini Green maybe uh, just a couple of times, and it was a rough area. I mean, Cabrini Green was rough. The projects, right? So yeah. when they tore that down, then you had people scattering and having to move other places. Our neighborhood started to become bad, bad, bad. And so you know, growing up, I remember you know in grammar school, the first dead body on the block, and you know, my I remember my parents, my mom wanted to shield us from it. And we stayed home from school because it was a drug deal going bad. And, and these guys got their brains blown out in the car on the block. And um, that was the first time was a killing in our area that I remember. Yeah. You know, and then from there. You don't forget that the first one. No, not at all. Like, I mean, kid it's, especially it's still vivid. And you just, you know, but gradually as I started getting older, it was other stuff. You started seeing people run down the block with guns or trouble and gunshots and et cetera. And this just became a way of life. And you just kind of learn how to grow up in that era right it's like you just kind of growing up and you kind of know how to navigate so you start getting some street smarts too yeah well now now again being young i was sheltered a lot more i mean my parents were doing the best they can to make sure i mean think about it seven kids you're having to count it was tough and they wanted to keep us sheltered as much as possible from the outside world so but that's, ha- that's seven different personalities seven different kids i mean and you're trying to make sure that all of them right are protected and so um, but you know, so leave it on my own. I was nervous. I was nervous because I'm like, I'm taking his leap. You know, you act out in anger, but I'm taking his leap, but I, it's a lot out here, man. I'm going out to the streets and I'm thinking, okay, now what's next? Yeah. Right now what's next? So I leave home at 17. I move in with a couple of homies of mine. And at that time I'm like, yo, I'm a, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a do me, you know, I'm a do me. And Life started going by really quick. Um, I started experiencing certain things, you know, doing certain things. Um, and certain things I, I would not. The, the Bible says when you when the, you know raise a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. There were certain things that I started experiencing. But there were certain things I'm like, yeah, I, I ain't doing that. 
mm-hmm. right? There was still a limit for me. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not gonna do that. That's just too so, far. Okay. At least like times when you're, you know, rolling around with some of your guys and they're, you know, doing some certain things. You're like, eh, is this what you you mean? Or, or yeah, I mean, but even so, I mean, so like for instance, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't doing drugs, right? Yeah. Like I'm not, I wasn't, you know, into drugs. I wasn't doing drugs. I knew guys that did drugs or sold drugs, but I wasn't doing drugs, right? Mm-hmm. I was like more like I'm not. That's not my forte. You know, yeah. that wasn't my cup of tea. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. Now there was some things that I would do that was like tip of the iceberg and something, some things you kind of tip your, you know, put your toe in to see if the water's cold. Oh, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not going to do this. Right. But it was, I was, the Holy spirit was always still kind of, I was always still cognizant. Like, man, I, cause I was raised with God. Yes, so yes. it's like, ah, oh, there's consequences. But, um, but anywho, you know, I was usually not the thug or the gang banger. That wasn't my forte. It was usually guilty by association. Okay, I was the guy usually guilty by association. I'm with them, not really doing all the things they're doing. And sometimes when you're guilty by association, you suffer some of the same fates because you're with them. So anyway, so I move in and um, I'm living my life there and doing my bid and, 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 you know, doing whatever I'm doing. And it gets to a point where, you know, I um, fast forward, I run into my, my girlfriend at the time who became my wife. And I met her and um, we... I'm fast forward and we end up having, you know, um, a kid, uh, at 19, 19. And that was one of the hardest walks to my mom, because again, I knew how my parents were and what they were, you know, but think, you know, having a child out of wedlock, my father's a pastor in church, yes. how they raised me. And that was a long walk. And, and I don't mean to cut you off here. I used to always say, so I'm glad you're saying all these things. Cause I used to always think like, well, it's a pastor's kid. It's easier for them to follow God. It's easier for them. Cause that's what's around them. Right. And you know, I was ignorant to that hearing your story here. Yeah, no, it's not. I'm, I'm, I, I always tell people because I get that a lot. Well, no, you was raised in it. No, like my walk with Christ had to come, and I'll get to that in a minute, but it had to come with me making that choice. It wasn't because my parents. I thank God because my parents, you know, with my parents being in my life, I was knowledgeable. Yes. Right. I had all the information. I mean, a lot of information that I needed, but that wasn't my deciding figure to go the road with Christ. My experiences in life and my relationship with Christ at the time you know, is what led me to it. And I get to that point, but mm-hmm. no, it was hard. It's actually harder because the expectations, there's certain sacrifices you make being a pastor's kid that other kids don't have to make, right? Yeah, because yeah, he wants to remain that. squeaky clean. And so there are certain things that may not be bad. It was just, Hey, I don't want you doing it because we need to set an example. It's like, wait a minute, I'm 10. What example I got to set? I'm yeah, 16. Yeah. I don't owe anybody anything. And so you take that approach. So, you so, know, I knew I was called. So let me backtrack real quick. I knew I was called to the ministry mm-hmm. of 14. Okay. So what happened was I was, uh, and from a spiritual standpoint, I always had this calling in my life, this pull, this pull. I didn't understand it, but I knew it's like I knew God was calling me to do to get into the ministry. And one day, uh, so I backtrack before I moved out. One day we were at a uh, um, uh, what what you would call a retreat, but we called it an advance, where the church goes off to a place and you just kind of have services, whatever. And I remember a pastor telling me, he's like, "Hey, young man, God is calling you to the ministry," and I started crying because I knew. Okay, now it's been revealed. And I was fighting it. I didn't want to do the ministry. Oh, you didn't want to do it. I saw the struggles that I felt my dad went through and my mom went through. I saw the struggles of a church that's not that and my from my from my lens, and I'm gonna say this, but I'm being I'm just gonna be raw and how I felt from my lens. I saw a church that wasn't being committed to my dad. I saw my father start a church and be committed to it, but I didn't think it was committed to him. There was a lot of things that we would take the you know, we would take a hit on for the church. You know, the church, it seemed as if the church would come first, mm-hmm. you know, and the call would come first. And as a kid, it affected me. Like, I felt like, you know, people say, well, your dad and your mom was in the house with you. But in my eyes, I'm like, yeah, but as, as I told one individual, I said, yeah, but I felt like I missed out on my dad a lot because he was too busy being a passionate dad to you, um. you know, because the church pulls on you. And so there was a lot of things that I wanted from my parents that I couldn't get because the church was pulling on them. It's like, wait, look at me. And so I do, did. Do you think some of that caused you to rebel? It did. I mean, I, I grew, I started growing angrier with my parents, you know, mainly my father, because every son wants the love of his father. Mm-hmm. Every son does. I don't care how old you are, or who you are. You want the love of your father in house or out house. And so I felt in my mind, I felt like everyone else meant more than us. You know, wow. doesn't mean it was a case, but that's how I felt. How you felt and man. so it got to a point where it's like, man, it's the church. And my father was truly committed. My father's a truly committed man to the ministry. And um, 
So I've started feeling that way. And you start having animosity against people in the church. You start having animosity against your parents. I had a lot of hurt in me. So a lot of that was boiling up. And I got to the point, you know, when I left home, man, I, 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 I had this anger about me, this bitterness um, that I had. And, you know, one of my favorite at that time, unfortunately, um, one of my favorite artists was, was Tupac. And it's crazy, uh, back in the 90s, yes. right? And this is how I felt. It's just me against the world. I, I felt like it was just me against the world. I had that attitude for a long time. And I had that attitude to the point, I remember one time I told my mom, I'm like, I don't need family, I don't need anybody. Ooh, and she wow. was like, you know what you're saying? I'm like, no, I do. Because I, I just got to a point where my anger was so, it was so much that I felt like I'm going to show the world. And I, and I had a lot of hurt. Like I had, so I had friends in my life too. That it's a, and I always tell people this: you can depend on friends. You can leave. I left home. I, I depended on friends. I started thinking, okay, some people in the streets were my homies, and then you realize, like family ain't family. You start realizing that some of the the, the, the homies you're hanging out with, they cool. They're your brothers, but to an extent, mm. right? And then and so I got to a point where I started feeling like, I started feeling like it was, you know, after I, I it was disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. You know, one of your homies disappoint you, you know, this person disappoints you. And I started having so much disappointment in my life. And I was determined not to go back home because I was making a point that I can do this on my own. I started feeling like me against the world. And I never forget that feeling because it's funny when Tupac came out with that song. It was one of my favorite because I can relate to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not glorifying Tupac as an artist. What I'm glorifying is the fact well, what I'm mentioning is how I felt at the time. And I started to really seclude myself. And I felt I had this brick wall up. It was me against everybody else. Oh, I could let you in my life, but I trusted nobody. And I got to a point where it's like, and if you, if I felt you was against me, then I cut you off and keep moving. And I'm going to make it by myself. I need nothing. I need nobody. And at that point, it was like, I didn't, even, I didn't even need God. And I really, truly felt, and look at the spiritual influence, man. I really felt me against the world. And that mindset took over me to the point where it's, I started losing love for a lot of people. And it was like, yeah, I don't need family. I don't need whatever. And I never, like it, it was like a, so like a defense mechanism. It was, a, of, yes. know, all the hurt, pain. Yeah. I, I felt like I'm not going to let anybody else come. I, I, I had a saying that was, I would, you know, I don't put anything past anybody and I wasn't going to let anybody else come into my life and hurt me. Right. I felt as if at the time that I couldn't depend on my family. I felt at the time my parents didn't understand me. I felt at the time that, you know, even, you know, my girlfriend at the time, who was my wife, I felt like, you know, sometimes she wasn't all in. I felt like my homies around me was my homies to an extent, but a lot of them disappointed me in life. There were some friendships that I had along the way that was like bonded. I'm talking about bonded and sealed that I don't have today because I felt betrayed. I felt like, you know, and I won't go into a lot of those things, but there were some things that really, really hurt me when I felt like people backstabbed me. Of course, yeah. Right, whether things were being said or some things that were done yeah. in my life to hinder me, and it's like, man, I thought you was, I thought you was a ride or die. I thought you was my homie. So, I a lot of that played a part in my life for a long time, man, for a long time, and I couldn't trust. I didn't trust anybody. So, it got to a point where it's my wife. So she has um, we have our first kid at nineteen, and I realized I have to do more of my life. Right, all of this hanging out in the streets and you know being you know, around drug activity and, you know, and, and doing whatever I'm doing in these streets is like, okay, I got to get myself together. And I went out. I remember I went to a, a, a close brother, man. I'm like, I, yo, I, I need different. I need different because I got a kid on the way and I need a consistent job. I had, I was a high school dropout. There was times that I was sleeping in my car. Well, so let me get to that point. So high school dropout and I, I, you know, had a consistent job back then. I was work, working like retail, like Best Buy, whatever the case may be. They don't no, no longer exist, but I wanted better. I had a car that halfway worked that was being broken into every other, you know, every other week. And so um, he was like, yeah, I got you. Was like, I got you, you know, and he had uh, a, a more stable home front. So he's a good brother, man. And he uh, he let me move in with him and uh, he let me move in with him. And uh, I moved in. And I, I I started living in his basement. I started trying to get my life together from that standpoint. Not really from a Christ standpoint yet, but like, hey, I'm going to get my GED. I went to get my GED. Um, and then things started hit me, man. I had my car stolen. I forget that. Car stolen, broken into. 
several times. The things um, with uh, living in the city. Living in the city. Um, I remember one night, man, we were out and um, about two, three in the morning, and we were going out and going to get a bite to eat. And uh, some guys rolled up. It was a big concert going on. Some guys rolled up. Um, I never forget. It was a red Astro van. And uh, we was walking into the restaurant or trying to get to the restaurant about two, three in the morning. We was hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those nights, man, it's late. You know, you're hungry. Like, and in the city, everything's, everything's always open. open. Yeah, all it don't matter what you want. <laughs> we go out it. to get a bite to eat. And um, one thing led to another. I won't get into details. One thing led to another. And these guys opened fire. That was a, I had been around gunshots. I had been around people being robbed. I had been around. I had never been shot at. And that was the first time that you even heard gunshots. Like, that was the first time that I heard gunshots being shot at me. And I was so... What was that friend. feeling like? Like You freeze, man. Like, it was... So, what I remember is walking across the street. And a couple of guys I was with had some words with the guys that put up in the Astro Van. I think the guys in the Astro Van had said a couple of things. And a couple of guys I was with said a, thing, a couple of things back. You know, I'm not paying too much attention to it. Because whatever. It's like six, seven of us. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You know, we, we rolling deep at the rolling time. Deep, yeah. And um, I see the window let down. And I just see the hand come out. And when you see the hand come out, you see the pistol come out the window. And he started unloading. I'm going to tell you how God's grace is because I was totally out the wheel. I'm walking across the street as soon as you have to know. So I'm on North Avenue. I get across the street on North Avenue to the north side of the street and gunfire unloads. And there was a white hand pantry that was there on the north side of the street. And they had a, a gate for the parking lot, like a metal gate. And when they first start shooting, I see two of my buddies in front of me hit the dirt. And so instantly, right when I'm about to hit the dirt, right in front of me, literally maybe 10 inches in front of me, a bullet grazes, a bullet grazes the gate. Ooh. And it go ping. And I see, oh. I see the spark. Like literally, I'm literally maybe 10 inches in front of me. Oh, no lie. Wow. And I ne- that, I, I'll never get that out of my head. It was like ping. And so I hit the dirt. One of my buddies, I never forget. One, of them, he froze, and he—I mean, he was just frozen, frozen. Like, get down, get down, get down. So, oh, so he's still standing up. He's still standing up. He wasn't moving. We're like, get down. So after this dude like unloads the clip, they peel off, and we get up and we run inside the restaurant. Now you know, in these restaurants in the city, they have the—you know—you can't go. They have the bulletproof glass and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I won't give the name of this particular restaurant. <laughs> People may know it, but um, so they get the glass and everything like that. And we we in there now. We you know. Some of us, uh, one of my buddies asked him, about, asked him to open the door back there. Oh, they ain't open nothing. Because we're trapped there. Like, yeah. you can't go. Once you run into there, you, there's nowhere else to go but back outside. Ooh. So, my other buddies, like, I think they turned around. And now my heart is beating. At this time, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm backtracking now because I had to be, I was a teenager. My heart is beating so fast. And what you start thinking in your mind is like, I ain't going out like this. I can't yeah. believe this is going to be it. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my God. And I'm envisioning all these things of these guys going to come to the restaurant. They're going to light us up Just inside us here. here. We're trapped. You know, I never see my loved ones again. All this nonsense. So, needless to say, to fast forward for time's sake, you know, obviously I'm still here today. I'm not I'm not dead. But we got out. Uh, we weren't that hungry. The appetite was gone. Oh, man, yeah. Okay. Um, but we got out. Sailed. <laughs> One of my buddies was like, hey, let's split up. And if you ever seen uh, <laughs> Boys in the Hood, you don't split up. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're like, no, you don't split up, man. We're going to stay together. And he was like, no, we're going to, if we're going to go, you know, we're going to get shot. We're going we're gonna to stay together. And so we did. And we, we built up out of there. And, and I'll leave that story alone. So let me talk about my changing moment. So what happened was through that point, through that point, um, so fast forward, my, you know, I, I, I move in with a buddy of mine. I started trying to build my life up. I went and got my GED. And I started trying to work a consistent job and he was really, really being a good influence saying, Hey, look from, from a work standpoint, like, Hey, you really need to, you know, be consistent with money flow, work hard and et cetera. Uh, and then I started trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then my family started growing, right? I was still, I was still living a street life, but like, okay, I'm a, you know, work hard. You're trying to make, you're in that, that crossroad where it's like, okay, I got to do right. But you're still getting stuck back to like, the, yeah. The, the streets in a sense. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm do what's right by my kid, but my life really wasn't changing. You know, my life really wasn't changing. So it got to a point, man, I ended up having, so I had three of my kids, uh, and my life really wasn't changing. It was still a struggle. I had issues, money issues. I had issues in the streets, whatever the case would be. Um, and it was frustrating. And so here I am. I get married at 22. I got married young. Uh, and then my wife and I had our fourth kid. And again, take care of home was the mindset. That was the mantra. But I was still out 
in the streets. And I used, I used to say stupid stuff like, oh, I'm a street runner and I got to be in the streets. And I felt like the streets were comfortable for me. You know, it was just yeah. comfortable. It was, it was comfortable. Now, again, when I say streets, again, there were certain things I wasn't going to do. I was just guilty by association, which you're still guilty. Yes. Right? I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not a drug kingpin or anything like that. That wasn't me. But it was, I wasn't being the guardian at the gate. I wasn't being a husband. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't being a good a good um, person. So, uh, from there, like I said, I'm married, et cetera. R- really quick. How yeah. was, at this point, did you have a relationship with God? Were you, like, in No, man. Yet? Or you still were like, you're like, yeah, I'm so doing he, my own thing. That's a good question. So, I had a relationship with God. When I say, like, it's funny. In that, when you're in that, in that state, it's like, you go, you call on God when you need him. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, I had a lot of, I mean, this is for time's sake, you know, I'm just fast forwarding through. Yeah. I had a lot of issues that I would call on God when I need him. And it's like, all right, thanks God. Like a butler. Mm. I'll call you when I need you. Oh yeah. You know, and there's no worse feeling in the world than when you call on God one day and he don't show up though. I'll tell you that. And I have, I've had that experience. You call him and he just, this time he ain't showing up. Silent. And you're like, wait, wait, Lord, like what are you? And so, um, my life was a struggle. We moved like every two or three years. Um, and again, my attitude didn't change. It was still, I had a lot of animosity against a lot of people. And my, my, my trust was known and void. It was like, again, it was just me. I didn't trust many people with me and or my family. And I remember, I never forget, um, you know, my wife and I, we were, uh, this time I think we were, we were just moved out the city or whatever. And I never forget, but I, 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 I'll never forget, I was so... I was so angry one night and I forget what it was that angered me. I was driving down 88 and I used to always say anybody who think about suicide or killing themselves and all that stuff, that's, that's weakness. Like, how can you do that? Like, that's gotta be done. And I still feel today like, Hey man, like that's not something I would, but the devil don't play fair. And what happened was I'm driving down 88 had to be maybe like one in the morning, whatever it was raining. And I remember I was doing about 80 miles an hour, whatever. And I was so upset. I forgot what angered me. I was so upset. And I remember this voice telling me, man, you could just hit this brick wall and mm. it's over. Like, they'll miss you. Wow. You'll show them. And for a second, you think, I'm like, you know what? I'll just end it. You yeah. know? Now, thank God for some rationale and wisdom, right? Because I don't like pain, so... I thought about it. It's like, it came for a split second, and then I thought about it. I'm like... But then you, it sounds like you... For a split second, you kind of entertained. I did. For a split second, mm-hmm. I'm like, like, because life, had, I felt like, like life had always been unfair to me. Okay. I felt, you have to understand from, from my young ages at home and leaving and being, being and leaving, I was the prodigal son. Oh, okay. Right. In my mind. I was the one that was like an outcast in my mind. Mm-hmm. I was the one that was looked at like, an outsider. And that hurts when you feel like that from your family. And then it hurts when you go out to, to what you think is your family. And then they do you, they, they do, do the you wrong. Thing. Okay. So it's like rejection in a sense. You're getting rejected. Yeah. It's like, right. okay. So ain't nobody got no love. And when you start feeling that way, it's like, okay, skip the world. Right. Like, okay, skip the world. And my issue with God was, why are you calling me to, you know, the issue I had with God was, I saw what my dad went through and I kept saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through what he went through in the ministry. I don't want to go through, having to spend all that time away and can't spend time with my family. I used to always think I want, I don't want to struggle like my parents did in, in, at home. I want to make sure I get me a nice house, a nice home, a nice area, take care of my kids, make a lot of money. I don't want to struggle like in the inner city struggles. We ate beans, man, every day of the week. I know every bean growing up, pinto beans, lima beans, green beans, string beans, you know what I'm saying? Black eyed peas, everything. Cause beans went a long way. We didn't have a lot of money. So beans and rice and things like peanut butter, you know, government cheese back then, that went a long way to feeding seven kids. Yeah, that's so, you know, I was like, I don't want to be that way. But everything that I was doing, I was still ending up that way. I never had any money. I never had any advantages. Everything was a struggle. And you start getting to the point where you, I mean, you start seeing other people get the advantages. And you see, it's funny, the people who always do the illegal, illegal activity always got the money. Yeah, that's like, right. Like, this mom got the money. Yeah. Like, Man, nice but cars, God nice would always clothes. hold me back. Like there were some opportunities that I had to do some crazy stuff. And it's like the Holy Spirit would be like, no, you can't. And I would be ah, like, no, you can't. Okay. And that comes from praying, like praying parents. I'm going to tell you yeah, this. Uh, yeah. The fact that my parents kept me in prayer was huge. 
Think about that gunshot. That the, huge. Mm. The fact that they, what I didn't realize was they were praying for me even when I was in the streets. They were praying for me even when I was out there bad. Like they were praying for me. And so I didn't realize at the time that's the love that they had for me, right? That yes. God would still keep me. And that's why I'm here today. You know, and think about those demonic attacks on your mind. Talking about, hey, hit that wall, Just man. I mean that that night was a that was a pivotal moment. I mean, I've been through some. Look, I, and I'm going to breeze through just for time's sake, and I, and I apologize, y'all. But this is you asked for, so this is going to be a little bit longer and extended. But the the life that I, you know, there's a lot of people who's been through worse. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say. I can only tell you about my story. But there's been I've been robbed, right? I've been shot at. You know, I've been in situations where it's like, man, Lord, if you can get me out of this one. How many times we said that, Lord, oh, get me out of this yeah, one. I'm guilty of that. Get me out of this one. Just this one time. Okay. There's some things that I've seen and experienced that I'm like, man, I, I don't, I don't wish on my kids. Okay. So that was just, but that was just, it wasn't an issue so much because it was just life. Like when you, you know, when you're out and about and things happen, it's like, this is just the neighborhood I live in. Right. I mean, I remember I had a, a friend come visit me. And she was from uh, Barrington. This is, again, I was maybe 18, whatever. She came out to visit me, and uh, she was from Barrington. Was that some culture shock for her? Yeah, she came out because she was, well, long story. So she came out to visit me, and on the west side, I'm hanging out with some of the homies, whatever. And you hear some gunshots. Now, when you grow up in the inner city, gunshots are like firecrackers. You hear them every day. There is nothing that's going to phase you. It's and, just the and norm. police sirens, right? That's yeah, like it's just the norm. the norm. That is the norm. We used to wake up with a sand, and I hate to say this, y'all, but we used to wake up in the sand in the morning, and the first thing you say was who got shot mm-hmm. Cause you know somebody got shot like, Who Someone, got shot yeah. So you wake up in the morning like what's up man who got shot So that was Just life and so she's out and she's visiting And she I remember You hear some gunshots ta, 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 ta. And she said oh my god is that Gunshots and we're having a conversation Like mid conversation like yeah And I go back to saying what I'm saying she's like wait a minute She was like and y'all not scared And my homie's like They ain't shooting at us yeah. Right <laughs> But that was life, right? It was like, oh, it's just what it is. I mean, you see, you know, I've seen people get shot at in front of my face, you know, two feet in front of me. And I'm sitting there watching. They ain't shooting at me. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, I was out with my wife one time at the time. Yeah, we were um, sitting on the porch one time. And we were sitting on the porch. I mean, somebody unloaded gunfire across the street in retaliation to an episode of, of a fight earlier. And I don't want to say we were sitting with our popcorn, but it was, I mean, what are you going to do? You're just sitting there. They ain't shooting at me. So, but the point I'm trying to make is you become immune to it because that's, the, that's what you grew up in. But getting back on target here. So it got to a point where as, um, that night, that was a pivotal moment. That was a pivotal moment where I was like, okay, because I did, under, even though I wasn't living it, I understood spiritual authority and I understood spirits and I understood yes. You know, Satan. And so I understood that I was at a point in my life where he would even creep that thought in my head. And so I remember one day, and this is how Abundant Life came about. I remember one day I started struggling with the ministry. Uh, fast forward a little bit, you know, maybe my later 20s. And I started struggling with the ministry, but I felt that pull of God more and more and more. Like, hey, you're going to have to do the ministry. You're going to have to do. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to because I was so afraid of the people doing me wrong. I was so afraid of people not being committed to church or not being committed to you know, to the pastor, you know, it's like you come and you go, you come and you go. And as a pastor, it's tough. And I saw my father went through. I didn't want, you know, I felt like my father could have made so much more money doing other stuff, but he sacrificed it for the ministry for people who didn't care about him. That's how I felt. And so I was determined that ain't going to happen to me. I'm not going to let these people take advantage of me. I'm always making sure I'm praying for their marriages. I'm always going out, making sure that, you know, I'm there in their time of need, praying for the sick, doing all that stuff. And at the end of the day, they don't appreciate it. That's how I felt. That's how you felt. And I'm like, and for what? For a little money? See, everybody see all these mega churches, but they don't see these small churches that are doing the will of God the right way and not knocking mega churches. I'm just saying, everybody ain't out there making that type of money. A lot of pastors are committed to the cause, and they make nothing. So I remember sitting in my dad's house one day, a little bit older in life. I'm about maybe 31, 32, whatever. I'm sitting in his house, and we're talking about the ministry. And I remember I told my dad, and this is how abundant life came about initially. Right, let's hear it. In the making. I'm talking to him. And I tell him, like, man, I, I'm like, man, like, Dad, I, I'm telling him I don't want to do this. Like, I don't, I can't see myself doing it. I know I was called to the ministry. And he would always tell me, you're going to do the ministry whether you want to or not. You know, if God's calling oh, you, calling you. How the question you say is, that? What went through your mind? I was tough, that? man. My father had, like, he had a lot of, he, he had, he still has a lot of wisdom. But it was like, he would say things and certain things because he would say it. 
and a lot of things he would tell me would come true. So I got to a point, and my siblings would they understand when I say this. Sometimes we'd be like, "Don't say it," because we don't <laughs> want it to come to fruition. And so I, he would tell me, "You're gonna do it, whether you want to or not." The question is, how are you gonna do it? Because mm-hmm. sometimes God got to knock on your door to get your attention. And so I remember this conversation we have, and I told him, "I'm like, nah, like I I, I can't do it, this and that." And we discussed it, and and I just blurted it out, "I'm like, Dad, I don't want to be like you in this sense. I don't want to, you know, not have money. I don't want to." Depend on the church to pay my bills I don't want to You know struggle I don't want to You know not be able to get things in life The better things in life that I want And all that And I thought it was going to hurt his feelings I didn't want to say it like that But that's how I felt mm. And my dad started laughing oh. <laughs> And I'm like what the And he told me He said is that what you think And I don't even know if he remembers this conversation Maybe he does or not But I do And I'm like Yeah that's that's what I You know that's my perception From the outside And he's like Son, I live the abundant life. Now, instantly, I'm like, abundant life? <laughs> you know, we ain't, you ain't got no money over here. You know, we grew up poor. We didn't have anything. And he said, I got the abundant life. He said, me and your mom got health. He said, we ain't worried about nothing. I got a fully functional. He had a vehicle outside that was paid for. It was like a 1999 Ford Expedition or whatever. Wasn't nothing brilliant or nothing that was so, you know, easy to look at. But it was his car. And it ran great. He was like, I got a Car that's paid for that gets me back and forth. I ain't got no worries. He said, I got seven kids. Ain't none of them drug addicts or ain't none of them dead and ain't none of them, you know, in, a, you know, in jail. Yes, yeah. He was like, I got grandkids right now. They're healthy and everything is great. Like, I got the abundant life. And he started laying all these things out. And I'm like, wow. I bet you never ever saw that. No, one. because the world teaches you need money. You need money. You need money. Mm-hmm. And when you're done with that, you need money. What a success. If I ask right now, people, what a success. People start saying success is money, money, more money. More when money. somebody say I'm successful, the first thing you think is money. And so I never forget. And it registered, but it didn't register. Like I thought it was. That's how abundant life even came about. Uh, That's how yeah, abundant nice, life came yes. about because I remember him saying that to me. And as I got older and stuff like that, and more set in my ways, it's like, okay, abundant life. And your dad's always smiling. He's always in a good yeah, mood. Yeah, him, him, my mom. I mean, and your mom, yeah. I mean, they, I, my parents, for their age, you and they look very young. You too. wouldn't even know that you know? their age, but they, again, abundant life. They were always I'm eating a, healthy, doing I'm, healthy things. They were, you know, but my parents, that's another story within itself for time's sake. But so I know we're getting a little bit deeper in this, so I'm going to close out. But so what happened was from there, you know, I finally, you know, started getting more involved in church and et cetera. And I started seeing, it's amazing. I started finally saying, you know what, God, I'm not going to serve you for what you can do for me. I'm going to serve you because I because I ought to. Right? Because a lot of times, like, okay, well, it's barter and trade. What can I do? What you going to do for me? Lord, if I serve you, you're going to give me this. You're going to give me that. You're going to give me that. And um, and uh, and I, I just started getting more sincere a little bit more. And But I started learning God for myself. So I started going, I started looking at other religions because I'm like, okay, I don't want to serve God because my parents did. Oh, so what are, what are some religions that you looked into? Um, Muslim was the, the was the most in-depth. Right, being a Muslim, mm. I started looking more in depth at being a Muslim. Um, I had a friend who was trying to get me from a Jehovah Witness standpoint. Okay, I teeter totter look into that, but nothing major. But I really started looking into you know the Moors. I started looking to the Muslim, you know, because that was like you know from a black standpoint too. Like man, I see. And um, I wanted to know more about it. And the more I started looking into it, man, I was like, okay, God, but you got to show me. I don't want to serve you because my parents say. I don't want to serve you because you got to show me you got. You got to you got to show me you got. I remember I give you a testimony. I remember one night I was out. I was working for a company, Underground Technology, and I'm out. And I was I used to do locate for Julie, locate for Julie. Oh, and Julie, I, yes, yes. And I would be on call, so I'm driving out. I'll be on call, and I remember one day I had to go all the way out south because that was my territory. It was like one two in the morning. It was a water main break, and they paged me. And you had two hours to get to your location. That was the thing. Once you get paged and you're on call for that week, you had two hours to get to your location. They paged me. I doze back off. I wait back up and I'm like, oh man, I can't get out here because the people are digging when it's a water main break. They can't do anything to you. Get out there and you mark oh, off where everything and you is running. You were snoozing, huh? Oh yeah, I was snoozing. <laughs> so what happened was I got up and I ran out from the west side. I ran out. And when I ran out, I got all the way out there. I did the locate. And on the way back, I didn't have any gas. This is about three in the morning or whatever. And I'm all the way out, man, like 119th or whatever. And I'm like, I'm looking for my wallet. I don't have a wallet. Oh no. I'm like, oh, I'm, it's like 4 a.m. Now again, back then, y'all, it wasn't just easy. Like everybody got cell phones and everything, so it's not just that easy. And I'm in my work truck. And I'm like, ah, oh, I need some gas. And I don't want to be stuck out south. That's not me. I was in the inner city. I'm not trying to be stuck out south around three, four in the morning with no gas. And I'm like, oh man. So 
I remember praying. Now, when I say this needle was on E, I'm thinking I could probably get maybe another 20 miles. There's no way I'm getting home. How I'm far like, were you from the house? Would you bro, say? I'm at, I'm, in, I'm in the hundreds. I'm out south in the hundreds. So, I mean, I'm out there. And I'm thinking, I'm going to try to find a, a pay phone or something. Or I don't really have. And so um, what happened was I remember praying. It was cold outside, too. It was one of them freezing nights because the water main break. It was a freezing, freezing night. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to get me out of this one. I'm like, Lord, please get me out of this one. I don't want it. I was in the bad area. I'm like, Lord, please don't let me be in this bad area, find a gas station. And I was going to have to probably walk to find a payphone, to whatever. So I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I just started praying. I just started praying. I started praying. And I lie to you not, I saw my gas hand before my eyes. I saw my gas hand start to inch up, waver up. What? Inch up. up. I'm not lying to you. I am not lying. I saw my gas hand go from on E to just under a quarter tank. I lie to you not, and I stand here and tell you the truth. I have no reason to lie. That was one of the many. We'll get another topic, another episode where we talk about some of the things yes, we've seen yes, spiritually. I we'll get to that because we want to get ready to come to an end here. But that was one of the things that I'm like, okay, you know what? I got to stop messing around with God. Like, he got to a point because I knew who God was. I was just unwilling to submit mm-hmm. because of who, you know, the hurt and stuff I had. And I felt like it was unfair. And why would you put me through these things? So, Anyway, that was one thing that kind of, you know, stood out. So anyway. I got, can't wait till we get to see the bro, episodes where you go a little bit deeper on that. Bro. Wow. So um, to close out. So it got to a point where, as, you know, as I started to follow God and started to say, okay, you know, and he started revealing himself to me. And God will reveal himself to you. I'm telling you, if you ask him, if you say, show me who you are. If you say, Lord, reveal yourself, he'll do that. Like, he will do that. He is not a man that he should lie. He'll do it. And I started to make more commitments to God, but on my own, not for my parents, not for friends, not for, but on my own. You started seeking him. I started seeking him with my whole heart. And that was what liberated me because when I started to, you know, have a contrite heart and started to seek him on my own, then I started to see God. Then I started to experience God. Then I started to, you know, be able to pray and be able to hear God. And then I started to, bro, it got to a point where it's like, you didn't have to tell me. I already experienced God Mm -hmm. and it's hard to say, but you have to understand for those who know you can experience God. It is an experience. And so it got to a point and I got tired of living the life I was living. I got tired of the struggles. I got tired of the, 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 you know, the drama in my life. I got tired of it, man. When you're tired, I would say help us for the desperate. And I got to a point where I was desperate. I mean, one day I, I apologized to my wife. I said, look, I feel like Jonah. I feel like a lot of struggles we've had in our life is because of me, because I didn't submit. And so, um, and so up to, to this day, so I just got to a point where I'm like, okay, God, I'm gonna walk the straight line. And I started removing negative influences from my life because who you're around is who you're going to be like. Oh, that's a big part. Right. So you can want to change all you want to, but it got to a point where it's like who you're around is who you're going to be like. So I had to start saying, okay, I got to start trimming the fat, trimming the fat. I have to start filling myself with, you know, with wisdom, knowledge, with the spirit, with, with, with bib, with the Bible, with church. And put myself in a better environment. You can't change when you're still in that bad environment around bad people. You know, so it got to that point where I started removing the negative influences. And some people I still don't talk to today. And so it got to a point where it became more about my family, my wife, and my relationship. Because our relationship wasn't great. But that started to grow. As I started to be more of a leader and lead by example. And I started to commit and submit. And start changing your uh, priorities around. And what's crazy is, to this date now, I can say God has restored back to me. The things that I've asked for in life. Oh, come on. That's what's crazy about it. The things that I was chasing on my own, the money, the the notoriety. I mean, I got into a lot of stuff, man. I was trying to write music. I was trying. I mean, there's a lot of things we didn't get into because I know we already have 55 minutes in the show, so we're going to close out. I appreciate y'all staying tuned. But this is, you know, it's a lot to get off, right? It was like I needed to make sure that you guys understood, you know, where I'm from, what transition in my life, and how I got to where I am now. It is a blessing Cause God is a restorer and he has restored my marriage, my kids. I got all my kids are healthy, strong. They okay. They in school. They in college. I got four kids in college y'all. Like, so it is, it is really, really a blessing. I've been married now 22, uh, 22 years, 20 years. Um, I've been with my wife for about maybe 23 years. And, um, that's, that's we're good, man. Like plus. we have a good family household. Now nothing's perfect. 
but we try to make sure we get Bible studies with the kids and et cetera. But the point of the matter is, is I had to give it all up for God and God restored it. The relationship with my parents and my father and them. Oh, please. Like my father and me have a great relationship. My mom and I have a great relationship. You know, I had to go through a maturation process. You know, I had to get out there and figure it out on my own and thank God they allowed me to do so. Because in doing so, it made me a better man, a better husband, a better, a better son. And I appreciate my parents. I learned a lot because of their wisdom. They knew how to stand back when I left home and say, you know what? We can't touch them. Let God touch them. And they prayed. And a lot of things that could have took me out in this world, a lot of things that could have left me in a deathbed, a lot of things. I mean, I shouldn't be here today. And there's a lot of things that I left out because, you know, I can't get to it, but I should not be here today. But I am. It's only by the grace of God. And it's because my parents pray for me. So if you have kids, I'm telling you right now, you want to make a difference in their life and you feel like you can't touch them, pray for them. Pray for them. God will honor your prayers. He will sustain. I pray for my kids every day. I don't miss a day praying for my kids. And I pray that God gives them long life, wisdom, and knowledge. And they are going to sometimes venture out. But guess what? The Bible says when they get old, they won't depart from what they have learned. And so you understand that if you keep them in prayer, that God is going to honor that. He said, I'll keep them. I'll keep them. So that's kind of my story. I appreciate it because I know this went a little bit further. This is not the typical. But, you know, again, this is some content we want to get out uh, about us, who we are. And, um, you know, some of the things we may have endured and experienced. And there's a lot more. And there's a lot more content we can get into, which we will. But that just kind of gives you the basis of who we are and how we got to abundant life today. And, and so, you know, later on in life, I got a chance to about maybe f- six years ago, I met my brother Leo. Yes. And I didn't, you know, we didn't, in the beginning, the, the short version is I didn't really, you know, I was like, ah, skip, do whatever, whatever. But that was just the devil. And, you know, we hit it off pretty good after that. And, and we got to a point and we've been working on this podcast, y'all, for uh, we've been talking about it for a, at least over, a little bit over a year. Yeah, almost two, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Back and forth, some procrastination. Some of it was some things that hindered us. But we were able to come together and, and, and get it done. And this guy has been a blessing in my life. So I thank my brother, Leo. Oh, man. Six years ways. ago. Him yes. and his wonderful family six years ago is when I met him, and he's been a blessing ever since. So, um, you know, and that's how he came into my life. That's another story for another day, but he plays a huge part of my life. I appreciate him even on this podcast. I appreciate him in my personal life, and um, and we we just want to continue to do what God has called us to do. So with that being said, I'm going to kind of end it there because this has been a longer podcast. Thanks for staying tuned. Um, again, you're going to get a double bubble, right? So you get a double bubble. There's going to be another one that's going to release with Leo's life, and he's going to talk about it and go more in-depth with it. But before we end again, I want to be remiss. I want to make sure we get we get some prayer in because there are some people out there that you may have some young kids. You may have some teenagers. You may be experiencing some things. You may be experiencing some hurt. You may be like, yo, this is, you know, I, life has been a struggle for me. But I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, God can restore. God can restore. If he was able to do it for me and trust me, I had to go through a lot of unforgiveness. I had to start forgiving people. I had to stop blaming people. I had to start looking myself in the mirror and saying, hey, but what about you? Turn the other cheek. What can you do? And some things wasn't about them. It was about me. You know, it's easy to blame other people. So I got to a point where I had to go to God and say, okay, you know what? Okay, fine. But my relationship with God can't be contingent upon my relationship with my friends and my family. So if you are going through anything such as, if you're starting to have any, you know, I don't care if it's suicidal thoughts. I don't care if you have young kids teenagers uh, marital issues hurt if you have insecurities doesn't make a difference just give it to god give god a try just ask christ ask jesus christ ask him to reveal himself if you don't know god for yourself i urge you to i'm telling you what a difference he has made in my life i am sitting here today a living witness of somebody who God has transitioned, who God has turned around, but I had to first submit. Pride come before the fall. Stop being prideful. It's okay to say I need help. It's okay to say, God, you know what? I can't do it by myself. You got loved ones, pray for them. Prayer is a magnificent tool, but you got to use it. So I'm going to say a quick prayer real quick, and hopefully you know, this will touch some people and Again, you can reach out to us if you need to. But Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to talk to our listeners today. We thank you, Father, for everyone that's listening. We ask that you bless everyone that listened 
to this podcast. Touch them, Lord. Touch their lives. Father, reveal yourself to them. Show yourself. You can do all things. And Father, we know they can do all things through Christ. But Father, we ask, Father, that you will continue to pour into their life, Father. Let this podcast be an example. Show them how prayer works. And Father, I believe that every listener will get something from this podcast today. And I thank you for them. And I thank you for them tuning in, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Nothing but blessings in their lives. Amen. Amen. All ministries two at gmail.com. Keep them coming out. All ministries two at gmail.com. Keep the requests coming out. We have a ton of content. Trust me. We appreciate you. I know we've been getting a lot of people asking about uh, us getting more and more. Uh, somebody asked us to do two episodes a week. Right now, we want to do the best we can and getting out what we can, but we do appreciate your support. So again, follow, like, subscribe. Um, give us a rating of five stars if we deserve it. We really appreciate it. Um, again, email the request, allministries2 at gmail.com. Lifers, we appreciate you. As always, continue to live the abundant life.